Last week, we kicked off a series, and it's called The Path to Peace, where we're looking at how to find peace in our lives, in our minds, and in our hearts. How many of us today have felt like, man, I could use a little bit more peace. I could use a little bit more peace in what's going on in the world, what I see on TV, the stuff I see online. It just feels like that there's like this constant anxiety that's on the surface, that's bubbling to the surface. But the Bible tells us that God gives us peace. And last week we talked about how God gives us the Holy Spirit or the Comforter to bring us peace. How many of you have ever felt like you personally had to battle or had to fight for your own peace. Like it was a fight. It was a struggle for you to get peace in your own heart. And and I felt that way too. A couple years ago, Liz, my wife Liz and I, we took a personality test. And so this personality test, I'm not going to tell you which one it is because here's the thing. All those personality tests, you need to take them with a grain of salt. All right. Because I think a lot of people, they read them and they're like some kind of like Christianized, like Zodiac sign. And this is who you are the rest of your life. No, it's not like that. Your personality just gives you a good idea about who you are, who the people that you love are. And, and, and you can. And here's the thing. If you can't if God can't shape your personality and grow your personality and mend some things in you that are broken, then why are we doing what we do every Sunday, right? Discipleship can change us, can make us more like God, but it's a good idea sometimes to take these tests because sometimes it can help to see what your natural wiring is as a person. And so as I took this personality test, uh, the score that I got on the quiz or the, the test that I got, it showed that I don't mind conflict. Like, I don't mind it. Like, I'm like, hey, you want, you want to fight? Let's go. You know, like, not fist fight. But, you know, like, I, I don't mind it. Like, I have, like, this contrarian vein in me. Like, I don't mind it. That's just something that I learned when I was taking this test. And, you know, I, if I, here's the thing that I think. If, if, if we all agreed, like, if I had someone in my life or, like, my wife, and I just agreed with everything that she said, guess what? We're only as good as her because I'm not bringing any opinions or any ideas or anything like that to the table. And so sometimes conflict can be good. Sometimes it's both of your ideas may not be the same, but when you come together, those both ideas can come up with a better result when you work through the conflict. And so for me, like that's, that's what I found about me is like, I don't mind conflict. My grouping that they kind of put me in is best when we're advocating for marginalized or people that can't speak for themselves. You want to fight? That's fine. I'll fight for you. You can't fight? I'll fight for you. I'll advocate for you. I'll get in the trenches with you. I'll do that. That was my personality. But at the worst, we can be contrarian, willing to argue for no reason, things like that. Like it's like telling your teenager, hey, I need you to just go argue with the wall over there. Like I just, you're going to argue with me right now. Just go argue with the wall. Have you guys ever had that conversation with your teenager? Right. It just, I don't want to, we're just arguing right now for no reason. Like that could be my personality at its worst. When Liz took the test, my wife took the test. It said that she avoids conflict at all costs. You guys know anybody like that? Avoids conflict at all costs. She just wants everyone to be happy, everyone to be peaceful, all that stuff. But the downside of her group is that they can shut down and disengage if they go through long periods of discomfort. She's naturally trusting where I'm not. She's stable, optimistic, supportive. And when I'm always looking for a fight, she's always looking for a party. Like that's the difference between our personalities, right? That's that's how we are. And I joked with her that God put her in my life to add 10 years to it, right? She, her in my life has added 10 years to my life because she's just relaxed me and calmed me down. And, and, and it, what's weird is that she's, she's constantly seeking peace, but I'm, I'm fine with conflict. But as we discovered last week, 
Peace is not the absence of conflict. See, so many of us today, we think, man, if I could just have the conflict, like that person that I work with or, or that, that, that spouse that's arguing with me or that teenager that's causing me all this trouble and heartache, if they could just go away, if the conflict could just leave my life, then I would just be completely at peace. Have you ever thought like that? I've thought like that. Like if I could just get conflict to leave, then I would have peace. But that's not really what the Bible teaches us. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Rather, peace is the presence of God in our lives. You could be going through the biggest struggle of your life. You could be going through the biggest conflict. You could have like the report of, of cancer or, you know, going through a, 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 a this you know, parents are going through a divorce or whatever it is in your life. You could have all this conflict, but still be at peace inside of your life because of the presence of God in what you're going through. So again, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God in our lives. Peace and conflict are not opposites. So we think that. We think that peace and conflict are opposite. If I can get rid of conflict, then I'll have peace. No, what's really opposites is peace and loneliness. Peace and loneliness are opposites. You feel like you're all alone. You feel like, like, like I, I, no one is here to, to battle with me. No one is here to walk with me. No one is here to struggle with me. You can be in the battle of your life, but if you have someone next to you, locking arms with you, that you trust and you can completely, and they're walking with you, you can still find peace in the middle of the storm. How do we know this is true? In Psalms chapter 23, the Bible tells us this, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for him, his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Throughout this passage, David is surrounded by conflict. You can tell he's surrounded by conflict. It's all around him. It's consuming his life. But the presence of God sustains him through this, and it brings him peace, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even in my darkest times, I will fear no evil for you are with me. For you are with me. Listen, the peace is not something that we win through our own struggle or our own effort. Peace is given to us by God. And so last week, the main point was this, that we must trust God more and depend on ourselves less. Stop trying to protect the little peace you have and trust God to provide it for you. When my oldest daughter was learning how to drive, how many parents have taught kids how to drive in here? Any parents? Yep. It's the most stressful time of your life, right? You're just stressing out. Like, it's just stressful. When my oldest daughter was learning how to drive, we would get, you know, you, you try to start in the parking lots, and then after the parking lots, you kind of move to, like, the, 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 the quiet neighborhood streets, and after that, you're moving to the little two-lane city streets, and after that, you finally get to the highway, which is the most stressful because everybody's going fast. Everybody's weaving in and out. And so when we finally got to the highway with my daughter, she's 22 now, best driver in my family by far. I'll tell you that right now. Better than me, better than my wife, best driver in my family. But my daughter, when we were getting to that stage, we were getting to that stage and we had to finally get on the highway, 
the number one thing that I had to teach her was what? You need to stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Like, just stay in your lane. As long as you're driving, you can drive, you know, the speed limit. You can drive a little faster than the speed limit, a little slower than the speed limit. But just stay in your lane. Like, don't, don't just try to get in this lane or in that lane or go over here. Like, just stay in your lane. If you stay in your lane, you're going to be fine. How many of you guys have ever driven down the road and you got the guy who's coming from the far right lane and like just swerves all the way over across and then you're just like, huh, like all of a sudden my heart just drops and I'm like, okay, he's going to hit somebody. He's going to hit somebody. Yeah. But you see that and you see like people that they just don't stay in their lane. And so I had to teach my daughter, stay in your lane. And when we're talking about peace, when we're talking about peace in our lives and peace in our hearts, you're going to come across people in life and maybe you are like this. Where people, they, they don't know how to stay in their lane emotionally. They, they, they're always in everybody else's business and they're always critiquing uh, others and how they live or how they should do their job or what they should be doing or what they shouldn't be doing. They're the ones on Facebook talking about national politics that they have nothing to do with. Just keyboarding away, like just getting on it, right? They're just going after it. And they're just all over the place. Like, like Ricky with the keyboard and Chandler's got it all figured out. You know, like that's, that's the people. You just got it. Sometimes we need to stay in our lane. One of the main reasons people like this are miserable and struggling so much in life is that they're jumping into battles that they weren't intended to fight. And for many of us today, we find ourselves, and maybe you know people like this, maybe you're like this personally, and you're jumping, you're constantly jumping from one battle to the next battle to the next battle to the next battle. And my question to you today is this, did God intend you to fight that battle or are you just jumping into it? Because here's the thing, if the whole thing about our peace is not the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of God, I need God to be with me when I go into a battle. And so if I'm walking into battles that God did not tell me to go fight, guess what? I'm walking in alone. And so I need to stay in my lane. I need to learn how to stay in my lane and do what he's asking me to do and fight the battles that he's asking me to fight. In Titus chapter 3, here's what it says. It says, but avoid foolish controversies genealogies they'd fight about in, in the early church. They'd fight about, you know, who was the father of who and who came from who or whatever. Avoid dissensions, avoid quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, then have nothing to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and he is condemned. These are strong words here. Strong words. If you're always being divisive and you're always jumping into battles that aren't yours to fight, the Bible says here that we are warped sinful, and self-condemned. The first point that we talked about last week in our path to peace was that we must trust God more and depend on ourselves less. And this point this week is this, we must stay in our lane and do what is ours to do. Stay in our lane and do what is ours to do. Now, what does it mean to stay in your lane? Does that mean that we withdraw and we don't engage in anything? Does that mean like we're just like pacifists and we don't, we don't, we don't sit there and we, we don't fight any battles. We just sit there and, well, God's just going to fight my battles for me. I'm not going to, I don't have to, to do anything here. Like all the world's problems aren't that big of a deal as long as they don't affect me. No, 
That's not what the Bible teaches us. And in fact, in James chapter 1, verse 27, it says this, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Visit, by the world. Visit orphans and widows in their affliction. That tells us that there's many cases where we should take up the problems of others. There's many cases where you should take up the problems of others, where you should advocate for those who are marginalized. You should be advocating for those who are oppressed. You should be advocating for those who are hurting. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells this story. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels are with him and he sits on his and then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations so you can kind of picture Jesus is on the throne and every person that was ever created was is gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats again we have this lord is my shepherd analogy and he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those to the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came for me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come visit you? And then the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as long as you did it, to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those to his left, depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger. You did not welcome me in naked and you did not clothe me sick and you and in prison. And you did not visit me. Then they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or stranger or naked and did not minister you? And then he said, truly, I say to you, what do you did to the least of these? You did it. You did not do it to me. And so we see this idea of that we are supposed to advocate for other people. Like you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. And so you're like, well, pastor, how, what does this mean? I'm like, I'm supposed to stay in my lane. I'm supposed to only fight the battles that I'm supposed to fight. But then you're also telling me that I'm supposed to advocate for other people and support other people and all this stuff. Here's the thing. To truly understand this and to truly understand what fights we should be in and what fights we should stay out of, we need to understand the biblical concept of burden. Everybody say burden burden. We need to understand the biblical concept of burden. In Galatians chapter five, uh, 6, verse 5, the Bible says this, for each will have to bear his own load. For each will have to bear his own load. A burden is a calling or directive of God meant for you to carry. God gave you a burden. He gave you something to do. He gave you a problem that he intended for you to work. He didn't give it to you for me to work it for you. He gave it to you for you to work. He didn't give it to you for your spouse or for your mom or for your dad. He gave it for you to work. You can't expect someone else to care for your burden like you do because God didn't give it to them. He gave it to you. He gave it to you to work. And listen, he will call you. He will give you this burden and he will equip you to work on this burden. This burden is the idea of us staying in our lane. This is what God called me to do. This is what God put me on this earth to do. This is my mission. And this mission could be for a season in your life. 
It could be for just a season. Like you might have this passion like, hey, right now in my life, I feel like God's telling me that I need to focus on this. And it could just be for a season in your life. It could be like, hey, for the next six weeks, for the next month, for the next six months, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus my attention, my energy, and my heart and everything. I'm going to focus on this one thing. Or it could be your mission in life, the reason why God put you on this planet. That might be your burden. But listen, it will be work. It will be struggle. But it is your mission. How many times have we looked to God just to give us a harvest? Like, man, God, I, I just, it's like this. It's like if, 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 if we didn't budget at all, but we ask God to bless our finances. Like we, like, I just want God, I, God, I just want the harvest, but I don't want to do any of the work that's necessary to get to that point. You know, people like that. I know people like that. Have you guys have ever said, I, I had a guy one time, so I do, um, I'm bivocational, so I don't work here at the church full time. I also build websites and do creative stuff. I, I've been working for 10 years at this time in my life, learning how to code websites. Like I know how to do it. I know all the coding language, all that stuff. And one guy came up to me one time and he said, hey, um, I'm going to take you to lunch and I want you to teach me how, how to code a website. I'm like, dude, I've been working for 10 years to do this. Like, I can't teach you in, in like a lunch how to do what I do. I've worked for 10 years. Like, I can't just give, like, here, let me take this portion of my brain out and just give it to you. Like, you can't do that. And so many of you, you've been working for your whole life and, and just struggling and, and like learning your craft and learning your business and learning your profession. And you can't just walk, like the new guy at your office can't just walk in the door and just know everything. But so many times when we're talking about spiritual things and we're talking about the things of God, we just want God to just magically fix stuff. But really what happens is, is instead of giving us a harvest, instead of just like opening doors and just giving it to you right then, what happens a lot of times is God gives you a seed and he gives you a shovel. That's what he does. He gives you a seed and he gives you a shovel and he says, get to work. Get to work because the harvest is going to be from you working the problem. You have to, this burden that he's placed in your heart, you have to work it. There's issues that you're going to have to work out. There's things that you're going to have to struggle with. There's things that you're going to have to walk through. There's, there's things that, that, that this dream and this vision that he's given you, you got to just keep going and keep, keep pressing in. It's not going to arrive at your door via Amazon two-day shipping. It's not going to work like that. You've got to put the work in. And so when God puts something in your spirit, maybe it's to foster abandoned kids. Maybe it's racial justice and reconciliation. Maybe it's that lost coworker or friend uh, in, in your neighborhood or friend of your kids. Maybe like in my case, it was planting a church in Queen Creek two years ago. Whatever burden that God puts on your heart, listen, sometimes he's just going to give you a seed and a shovel and you got to work it. You got to work it. And so, so many of us, we live frustrated, we live anxious, we live in these lives to where we're like, God, why is it not happening easily for me? But here's the thing, God never intended it to happen easily for you. He meant for you to work at it. He meant it for, be a, for it to be a burden. God is not going to take away this burden from you and give it to someone else. He gave it to you to work. And so when we talk about staying in our lanes, when we talk about, hey, I've got to stay in my land. I've got, to, I've got to be faithful to what God called me to do. I've got to do that. Listen, sometimes it's going to be work. 
Sometimes it's going to be struggle. Sometimes there's going to be conflict. But here's the thing. When I'm faithful to the burden that God placed in my heart, when I'm faithful to what God called me to do, when I'm faithful to the fights that he wants me to be in and the struggles that he wants me to be in, his presence is going to be there with me. And because his presence is there, I'm never alone and I'm always going to have peace. And so you and I, when, when we're, you're, the whole thing is like so many of us, we're, we're just like, I, 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 I just want conflict to go away. I want struggle to go away. I want, I want, I want all this stuff. I just want it to be peace. Some of us, we, we just, instead of staying in our lane, we just want to pull over to the side of the road and just like chill for a minute. And so many lives are just abandoned cars on the side of the road where like nothing's happening. But I want to challenge you today. If you're on the side of the road and you're not doing anything, get back in your lane. Get back into what God's calling you to do. Get back in on the road. Get back in. Now, don't weave all over the place and don't be in all kind of fights. But if whatever God has given you to do, be faithful to that. So many Christians today, they think work is bad. Like when we all get to heaven, we're just going to be chilling. Right? Just kick our feet up. That sounds good. But here's the thing. When you read Genesis, work existed before the fall. Adam and Eve were sent there to work the garden. Before, before the fall happened, before Adam and Eve sinned, before sin came into the world, when everything was perfect, when God just was in this communion with Adam and Eve, when everything was perfect, Adam and Eve were still working. Here's the thing. What the fall bought, when you go ahead and, and fast forward a couple chapters in Genesis, what the fall bought was what was called toil. And toil was work that didn't yield any fruit. That was the consequence of that. And so for, for many of us, we're like, man, it, you know, when, when God is in my life, there's just going to be peace and I don't have to do anything and it's just going to be cool and I'm just going to chill and I'm just going to kick my feet up. No, that's not biblical. That's not biblical. We've got to work the problem. We have to toil or we have to, we have to work. We have to do that. But here's the promise is that when we're doing the things that God has called us to do, it won't be toil. Our work will yield fruit. And so when you stay in your lane, when you do what God has called you to do, you'll be doing it with him and he will bring you peace. I heard a pastor once say, some people are looking for a fight because they're not in one. Some people are looking for a fight because they're not in one. You know anybody like that? You know anybody like that? I, I know people like that. Just always looking for, always angry. Walk in the store, they're angry. Parking lot at Walmart, they're angry. You know, people, that's not you, right? That's not any of us in here. No, none of us in here, no. But, but there are people like that, looking for a fight because they're not in one. But I'm telling you today that, 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 that we're not meant to hop from conflict to conflict and never get anything accomplished. But when you fight for that burden that God put in your heart, when you fight for that burden, Again, whether it's, you know, whatever that burden is, I don't know what the burden is that God put in your heart. Maybe there's that, that neighbor across the street that you know that they're just struggling. Maybe it's that friend that you know that they just got a cancer diagnosis. Maybe it's, that, maybe it's, 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 it's justice and reconciliation. Maybe it's the, 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 all the kids that are sitting at our border right now with Mexico. Whatever it is that God has put on your heart, that's the fight that you're meant to fight. And when you pour yourself into it, Staying in your lane and not swerving all over the road. When you pour yourself into it, 
you will be fulfilled and you will be doing God's work with him. God invites you to do his work with him. And if you're doing God's work with him, that means that he is with you. And when he's with us, we have peace. We have peace. And so today, maybe you're, you're sitting here and you're like, man, I feel like I've been sitting on the sidelines for far too long. I haven't, I, I've, I've just been kicking my feet back and just relaxing and, and just, it, but, but something inside of me just feels like it's not fulfilled. I go to bed every day wondering, what, what did I accomplish today? What, what, what is happening in my life? Or maybe you're here and you're like, man, I, my life is just one conflict to the next, to the next, to the next. And I just live in this constant state of anxiety of who's mad at me and who I'm mad at. Listen, you need to ask God what the burden that he has for you and then stay in your life.